Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello and welcome to Sunday Night Conversations brought to you by D1Baseball.com. I'm your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. I want to say, uh, really begin with a special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Netting Pros. Netting Pros specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting and padding for college baseball programs all around the country. The next time your field or facility needs something new, whether that's netting, wall padding, L-screens, ball carts, make sure you check out our friends at Netting Pros. I say this every time. Their products are awesome. They are awesome. They love our sport. Uh, really grateful to the guys at Netting Pros for making this um, making this happen. So um, let me let me introduce before I get to our two esteemed guests. Let, let's for the uninitiated. Here's what Sunday Night Conversations is. So we're just talking college baseball during the fall. Two years ago it was a really fun way to meet a lot of the volunteer coaches. Uh, in college baseball who maybe don't get the the FaceTime. Now, of course, we don't even have volunteer coaches anymore, which is even better. Last year, we we did just any types of assistance. And this year, we're kind of doing themes. And so um, this tonight's theme is my two favorite people in college baseball. Mm-hmm. I, I'm kidding. That's not the actual theme, but it's sort of the theme. So we've got TJ Bruce here from TCU. We've got Travis Jewett here from Southern Cal from USC. And um so, so these guys are awesome, like just rock stars in our sport. These are guys that have national championship rings. These are guys that are, are West Coast, kind of like that. that's where they, they cut their teeth. Um, they're also guys that have been Division One head coaches. And now they're guys that are, I would say, prominent Division One assistant coaches, again, at prominent programs. And so, I, you know, these two have a lot in common. Plus, I think they're just awesome dudes. And so I knew we would have a really fun conversation. So, Boys, great to see you. Happy Sunday. Let's do this. Uh, Coach Jewett, I'm going to start with you. What I'd like you to do is give us your coaching resume. You know, like uh, start with where you grew up and then take us. You you don't have to detail because we'll dive into some of the specific stops as we go. But kind of bullet point me through your resume, if you don't mind. Well, Runes, first off, thanks for having me. TJ, great to see you as always. you know, you, you've moved away a little bit, so I don't see you nearly as much as we used to, but uh, you're still as pretty as ever. So thank you. Uh, this is a cool opportunity, Runes, when you reached out, threw this on my lap, our laps. I was like, that's cool. And, uh, you know, we're busy. We're doing our stuff. Our recruiting's back open now type of thing. But uh, thank you for this cool opportunity. I look forward to the hour. Um, well, a little bit about me. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Not much. So, uh, T-town. So I'm from Tacoma, Washington, which is for those listeners out there, probably, you know, call it 30 miles south of Seattle. A uh, big win by the Hawks today. Uh, started at my local junior college, not the junior college I went to, but my hometown junior college. Coached uh, there for a couple of years. I remember 
cool, and I won't stay on too long, but the AD offered me the job. I was probably 23 or four. I don't even know. Um, no, I didn't know. I did baseball coach. Like, what the heck is that? You know, like, <laughs> I had no idea. And then he called me back and said, well, I'm not taking no for an answer. And I guess, well, here we are. So uh, did Tacoma Community College, and then I made a couple stops going north uh, up towards Seattle. Did Edmonds Community College. Uh, for a couple seasons and then uh, got a call from Mark Maktoff at Gonzaga University. He was assistant at the time under Steve Hertz. Um, took my first Division One job, TJ, $5,000. Yes. No benefits, none, zero, zip. And Tanner Runes, uh, who we were talking before we went on air, is my oldest son, 25. Now he was just born. And my wow. wife said, my wife said, let's do it. <laughs> I was That's like, great. okay, great. Hope nobody gets sick and, you know, we'll be fine, right? And I was going to get my master's, TJ, right? Oh, through that, hey, you can do five grand, but you can get a master's. I think I went to like two weeks of school there and then it was like, screw this. I want to hit in the cage with like Jason Bay and, you oh, know, no. Kevin Richardson and Nate Gold and Bo Hart. And, you know, I'm going like, wow, what have you. So did that and then – um we kind of had a cool, that was my first division one job. Then I moved over to university of Washington back to the other side of the state for the Cougs for four or five. And then runes. I remember you picking me up at an airport, I think in Tempe at one point or something like that. Stayed there for three, then was fortunate to go to where you made reference where the national championship happened at Vanderbilt. And then, um, you was the head coach at Tulane for, uh, five and a half, six seasons, including COVID. Um, yeah. And then now back as, uh, assistant here at the university of Southern California. So kind of that's awesome. started West moved kind of Midwest, Southeast, South, you know, and now back a little closer to where we started. So fields that's are awesome. all still the same, right. And, uh, the bats and the balls and all stuff like that. So uh, still after all these years, junior college to, you know, power fives and non-power fives and all that, just uh, a lot of great memories and uh, still just enjoy what I do every day, which is get to hang around with a bunch of cool people and kids that want to be great and uh, see if I can't, you know, help them facilitate their <clears throat> dreams to be the best version of themselves versus, you know, be an obstacle. So that's Still awesome. Every day, but but uh, sometimes they do have to overcome the coaching, Coach Joe. That may, oh, that's maybe boy. my favorite expression in coaching. Hey, let me ask you a couple of follow-up questions, Joe. So, gosh, the, you just you just mentioned Steve Hertz's name. Like, like my heart is full, right? Like we've we've yeah. th th maybe the greatest human on this planet. Longtime coach at Gonzaga. Then he was an assistant AD. Um, just like the most wonderful person, you know, I didn't really realize you coached Jason Bay up there. Let me ask you. So you, the, the one community college in, in the Northwest, which is a great baseball system up there was that you were at Travis was Edmonds. Aren't a lot of those guys still working in baseball or, I mean, obviously Donnie Morbitt worked at Edmonds at a time. Then he's the head coach at Washington state. Were, were any of the other guys that were with you at Edmonds that have stayed in baseball? Well, you know, Donnie was long after I was at Edmonds. I didn't even know Donnie until I started oh, wow. coaching at the University of Washington, and then he was coaching at Edmonds. That's how I kind of ended up running into him. 
and then ended up actually working for him while I was at Washington State. But uh, more than anything, it was just the all the good players, <laughs> you know. Yeah. The coaches, uh, you know, have kind of gone into scouting. Uh, there's one of them, Ryan Fox, that's a longtime Toronto Blue Jays scout uh, that's still doing that. Uh, Hank King was another guy, a friend of mine that I coached with that's living in Atlanta now. But wow. um, back in those days, Teach, remember there was like draft and follows and all that good stuff Oof. back then. DNFs. Yeah, DNFs. And we had a ton of them. And we won our little – you know, NWAC, you, you kind of go through your conference and then you go through this little tournament and then you're just kind of done. You can't go down and play in the in the JUCO World Series that everybody else played in. But we had we had a we had a really good team with a lot, a lot of draft picks and division one uh signees. So so that was kind of fun. Yeah. Last thing and then uh, TJ, you're gonna do the same thing. You're so you in two thousand three, if I'm doing the math right, Jew, you're at Washington. We I'm in Arizona State, we have a killer team. We have five big leaguers in our lineup. You know, this is Pedroia, Ethier, Buck, Larish, Tuffy Ghost, which is our catcher. I mean, we were loaded. Um, the pack was loaded that year. We didn't even win the pack. And we lost very few weekend series that year. One of the weekend series we lost was at Seattle. You guys were loaded. Now, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, this is the year before Lincecum got even got there. But this is like is Tila Reynolds the shortstop and like Brent? No, no. Well, Tila somewhere, but Brent Littlebridge is like the craziest athlete I've ever seen. Like he didn't run. He just bounced all over the field. Is it Tila Reynolds? Was he the shortstop and Littlebridge? He was. Center? He was. And, and uh, he was a 13th round draft pick that previous year with the Brewers, but didn't sign obviously. So he came back for his senior year. Tila, uh, or excuse me, Lily was coming in his freshman year there. He ended up playing a majority of center field because Tila came back. Uh, the unique things about those good Washington teams is that back in the day, they were a bunch of physical, big, strong, fast guys, really is kind of how I would label that group. Uh, Lily wasn't big, but he was strong and fast for darn sure. Um, all those kids were from like Washington and, you know, maybe a smidge of Colorado here and or there, but the entire roster was like, from all the whole borders of the state of Washington, you don't you don't see that very often anymore. But uh, yeah, Ruth, real quick, staff is awesome TJ, on that too. Go ahead, go ahead. TJ is gonna the people are gonna like listen to his decorated career a lot more than mine. But I remember specifically, and I think you might too, because you have a great memory. Petey or Pedro led off with a three run three one homer, I think, in the bot top of the first off of Jeff Peterson, who ended up being a third-round pick that year. Uh, threw hard, big, strong guy. I think I think Dustin went, yeah, to the pull side. And then I think, if I'm not mistaken, Lily let off the the uh, bottom of the first with a homer to right center. And I, I remember them kind of talking to each other as each hit their homers, kind of like, you know, Pedroia was like, no, this is still my league, right, pal? You're just a little puppy living in it. And then when Lily came up and did his thing, I think he he yeah. barked at Petey a little bit about just like, hey, look, yeah. real men go the other way. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, God. It was so cool. great. All those guys you coach with, Drew, too, like Ken Knutson, Joe Ross, you know, Greg Swenson, all. It was just, oh, those were good times. Yeah. All right, Coach Bruce, um, I, I'm so old. I remember TJ Bruce, the recruit. And now, of course, it has been super fun to to observe and, and enjoy Coach Bruce the coach. But go ahead, TJ. 
Well, I started uh, started at Long Beach State as uh, in 2005 as an undergrad. Kind of started on accident, to be honest. I had one year left of school, um, so Coach Weathers came in and just says, "Hey, um, I want you to be the undergrad. You got one year left of school." And I I think I told him no two or three times. Didn't really have an interest in it and then uh now fast forward 18 years later i'm still in it um but he just she just kind of poked and prodded and and then just really kind of got my mind thinking so i did that in 05 after the 05 season he told me i need to go find out and learn if i want to coach so i went back to my junior college in 06 um and then he hired me in 2007 as the volunteer so i was with him from 7 through 2010 I had my first kid in 2009 with no benefits and my wife was still doing her teaching credential at the time. So I was a volunteer. I was working on the docks from five to noon every day Whoa. and, and then uh, went, went to the field and got the field normally about one o'clock. And then she was in school till 10 and we had this little baby um, in 09 and then in 10, um, Coach Weathers retired in 2010 and kind of was the turning point, I think, in my career. Um, Coach Buckley took over um, and didn't keep me on staff. And so by the saving grace of God, um, Coach Savage hired me that summer. I went to Anchorage, Alaska in 2010 that summer, and John hired me August 1 of 2010. So I was with John for five years through 15 and then got the head job at Nevada for seven years in the fall of 15. Um, so I was 33 and had no idea what I was doing and what I was getting myself into and was there for seven years. And then um, been at TCU, got the TCU uh, assistant job in the, what's that, the fall, yeah, the summer of 2022. And then... Um, been here one year, went, finished my first year, and now here as, as a second, on to my second year here. That's awesome. All right, my follow-up questions, Teach. So yeah. let's. I want to talk a little bit about your playing career. So you went to uh, Cerritos Junior College, which, you know, you. I don't want to take a shot at Cerritos as it is currently constituted. I, I don't follow the JUCO scene as much as I used to, mm -hmm. but I, I do feel it's fair to say that 30 years ago, Cerritos Junior College was like – you know, the powerhouse of all powerhouses, like yeah. Sac City, Cerritos. I mean, this is like a famous junior college baseball program from for the last four decades. So you went there, then you went to Texas Tech for your what would have been your junior season. Then you came back to Long Beach State in 2004. I want to talk about that 2004 team in a second. But what made you pick Cerritos at a high school? Because you went to a fairly prominent high school. You went to St. John Bosco, right? Yeah, St. John Bosco High School. Um, just, you know, I, I, I to be honest with you, there again, junior college back, I, I felt like before me was very prominent. You know, you had yeah. the guys that were DNFs that were going to J.C., instead of going to four-year school. But I also felt actually that there were some guys, you know, remember back in the RCC days when guys were turning down four-year schools to go to certain JCs. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it was my, so the short story is my high school coach, uh, Chris Jondal played for uh, Ken Gaylord at Long Beach city when Kenny was at Long Beach and so then his teaching was going back to Wally Kincaid, who everybody 
you either played for Wally or you played for Coach Horton, really, at Cerritos. Yep. Um, and so that's how our high school program was. And he actually he's, – he's the one that kind of led me on to it and said, hey, this is the best place for you to go to. Um, you're going to learn. It's all about Wally Kincaid. It was a lot of the same system that we ran in high school. And so I went to Cerritos Junior College, um, and it, it proved to me that I wasn't ready for the four-year for the four-year school. You know, it got me tougher was be the first thing. Um, you know, I think a lot of us need that. And that's where I learned a lot of things in those two years. I got to learn about Wally Kincaid. I got to learn about Coach Horton. Um, I got to learn about Dave Snow and Mike Weathers, who I eventually um, spent a lot of my career there. Um, but it was – and I still use it to this day. It's Wally's big thing is throw strikes, put the ball in play, and play catch. I mean – that's all we talked about. And so to this day, I reference Wally at least once or twice a week because Kirk Sarlos's dad played at Cerritos College. Oh, I didn't and know that. Is In his home, all he grew up was Wally Kincaid and Cerritos College. So, And then he played at Fullerton and all that. So there's, there's a lot of talk about Cerritos College in our, in our office daily, if not weekly. That's awesome. And like you just mentioned, Dave Snow, the snowman, so famous, took mm-hmm. Long Beach State to, you know, a couple of Omaha's, 89, 93, jump out at me. I think I got those numbers right. And then um, 89, yeah, like, 91, 92, 98. There you go. 98. That's right. They were in that when ASU played SC in the in the finals. That's right. And then um, Mike Weathers, like what a great person coach weathers was hey let's talk about your 04 team so you go back for your senior year to long beach if i'm not messing this up like two lows on this team your rotation is jared weaver cesar ramos jason vargas all three of them pitch in the big leagues right yeah all three of them i mean two of the three you know cesar is going to be a big league pitching coach he had a tremendous career um but the friday and sunday guys pitched I don't know what, what they they what they pitched 10, 12, 13 years in the big leagues. Wow. You and know? of course that team doesn't get to Omaha because you're you're in a crazy super region with Arizona. Coach Lopez, Andy Lopez is coaching that team. They are very good, obviously, but um the yeah. irony of that year, we swept them in March at Blair Field. No way. Yeah. We, they came in for a non-conference weekend. Um, we swept them at home. They come in two months later. And they beat Weaver on Friday. Uh, now, you know, there's no – Jared was pitching on mono, uh, but they oh. got to Jared. And then Jared didn't even show up to the game Saturday. So oh, we're wow. in an elimination game. He wasn't even in the dugout. Um, and then we lost to, we lost two to one or three to two on Sunday in extra innings. Oh, wow. Tulo yeah. was a freshman on that team, is that right? Tulo was a sophomore. So um, Brad Davis was a catcher, big leaguer. John Bowker, left-handed hitter out of NorCal, big leaguer, and left. Tulo played short, and then you had the three you had the three weekend guys um, on the weekend. So whoever, I mean, they earned it. There's no doubt. When you beat those two, those three guys, two out of three, yeah. you earn every every trip. Um, but what an amazing team and amazing relationships and and all that stuff. Now that we're all old and in our forties, it's 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 fun to talk about. No question. And it's just a great reminder that so many great teams, like getting to Omaha is really hard and it's finicky. And, you know, like recently 2021 Arkansas, magical team, they get clipped. 2022 Tennessee, magical team, they get clipped. Like it's just hard, right? 2008 
uh, Arizona State, they get clipped by Fresno State. Like it just, it's hard. It's, it's so anyway, that's great. Hey, so let's do this. Uh, Coach Jua, coming back to you. Let's do this. I want you to name a player, not your favorite player. Doesn't have to be the most famous player you ever coached, but a player that impacted the way you coach. And I always use this example, like Pedroia is the guy for me. Now he is the most famous also, but just because he was so unorthodox and I was very strong-minded about the way I thought things had to be done. And he ruined that like in a good way. Right. Cause it's like, he's stepping sideways and hopping backwards on ground balls and like, you know, like nothing that you would ever teach any human. And by the end of his time at Arizona state, our first and third defense was pitchers step off the mound, give the ball to Pedroia and then go get a drink. Right. Like that's our, that's our first and third defense. I don't care what the runner does. I don't care if the lights go out in the stadium, give him the ball and then just go do something else. So anyway, so Coach Joe, give me a give me a, a player that has impacted the way you coach. Well, tough question. That's that's that is because uh, the one thing you know, all the way from Tacoma to New Orleans to back to California, that I've been lucky and nothing due to me is coach a lot of professional baseball players, including quite a few major leaguers. So uh, there's a lot of easy answers there because it could be any one of the group tj could do the same thing i know but uh you know i think without kind of doing maybe the obvious like i remember andrew applin runes at at asu great boy was a bad man now he's so good uh, i saw him dress up in a drake or a uh i think no it was like a little wayne or something halloween costume one day and literally jeans buckled about halfway down his rear end uh tank top dreads you know the whole deal just halloween and somebody smashing a ball into like right center and him like you know catching it almost behind his back he's just one of the more like instinctual players knack players he's gonna do the what i like to say always always like he can hit but he could butt too right always always like just whatever the game called for, he could really defend. And why I'm kind of pulling his name out to start a little bit because I kind of feel like this is the way I live my daily life with the boys is Applin just had this awesome, like, positive life force about him, just a spirited, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. always kind of smiling, could take a punch, a joke, you know could get his hair cut at home plate. Remember those days uh, with not the finest scissors of ever. Uh, yeah, just, you know what I mean? But like, and I just was always like, man, there's something about this kid. He's one hell of a player, but he's really into the team. Um, you know, he just, he's good. I like his way. Um, the game, as we know, right, Tej, it sucks. It's just a round ball. It's a round bat. Uh, you got all this stuff going on now. Everybody's got to do this and that. So it's real easy to to uh, be, be a baby, have bad body language, be disengaged in others, right? Because I suck. So I got to spend time being a baby and not energized towards the rest of the club, all those things like that. He, he just wasn't like that. You know, he just was, it was always something. And so... When I start to see that, then it just kind of goes, right? Now, Tony Kemp comes to mind, right? Because it's like Tony Kemp, when I got to Vandy, he was like a junior and, you know, it was good player, you know, his left fielder and 
250, 270 maybe if I'm talking in the right terms. I don't even know. Next thing you know, it's like lift his leg, 400, plays in the big leagues every day. You want to talk about like spirited and energized and like mm. into others. And gosh, I just – those are kind of a couple guys that, you know, come to my mind uh, in terms of just like – who I want to be around, guys that I uh, want to coach, you know, that play the game hard, that are into it for other successes. They're, you know, they're just, like I said, they're positive life forces, man. They're just, they show their teeth a lot. They're there to learn. Um, they invest well, you know, and uh, they, they become just kind of people that stick to my ribs because they're like, you know, when I'm looking at players, those are the kind of dudes I want to be around now. Uh, so is Cole Calhoun and Dansby Swanson. Yeah. We'll keep yeah. going, you know, if you want Bueller's and Fulmer's yeah. and, you know. The Cole, thing about Applin, too, though, that you can just like, all they're all like that. But yeah, some you just kind of stick out a little bit different from a personality standpoint. I love that you mentioned Applin because he is, you know, of course, I get to be around him a little bit at ASU, but he was a star player who had to wait to play. And obviously, you know, you guys came to – um, ASU had a very so so Applin I think was a freshman in the two for the 2010 season and you know like Murph was uh, let go by ASU that Thanksgiving and so there's all this turmoil I mean you know I recruit Travis and his family come down to ASU and by Thanksgiving it's like <laughs> it's it's like a ghost town and but then this team like these kids are so special that you know they lock into you guys and they end up being the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament after losing their head coach Thanksgiving. I mean, just that, like we could go, we could do seven podcasts just on that group of kids, mm -hmm. but like Andrew Applin is a great, he's a great call out because he, he was a legit star player who just didn't, there was not a spot for him his freshman yeah. year, you know, like it was part-time. And how does a player like that with that kind of, you know, highly recruited and all this like that. And then just, he didn't know how to sit the bench, Yeah, but he was into his decision about where he chose to go to college not for two days or two weeks. He, it was for a career. It was a career choice. And, uh, you know, when you invest like that, you're willing to stick it out, right, Teach? Like, you're going to get rewarded on the end. Now everybody wants to jump ship now and analyze now and portals and still leave, like, after fall ball now. It's just getting even crazier. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So to see kids do that, those are guys that I love, too. You know, the personalities, I, I tell you, you guys – TJ knows me, Runes, you know me. I, I got a whistle around my neck. I, I'm a football coach coaching baseball. I mean, just like, you know, I don't like Literally. the boring, I don't like the boringness of baseball a lot, you know. Yeah. But so I'm just kind of the crazy guy, but it's music awesome. and rhythm and rhyme and stuff like that. But he's uh he, he was awesome and and that's uh, great. You yeah, know, you, you talked about all those teams in four and TJ's team punched him in the gut there a little bit. Those are hurtful memories. Uh, Vandy, 2013, right? I thought it was – I didn't think it was Vandy. I thought it was the 27 Yankees. 26-3 and three in the SEC. 26-3. and three. And the Sunday game against South Carolina, um, and I love Holbrook and everybody was rained out. Um, <laughs> that was going to be 27 probably, but, uh, you know – uh, that 10 team that you're talking about with app and the boys, uh, yeah, they go and they make it there, but it's two and Q, man. It was just like, yeah. boom, boom, bye-bye. Weird weather. You know? Yeah. Just weird weather. But 
it's hard, man. Like you yeah, said, it's, it's just hard. It's hard. Yeah. And uh, so we'll come back to the national championship runs you guys went on because it's like you, you, we see those every year, and it's like it just looks so not easy, but it just looks so doable at times. And then oh, there's other times where you're like, oh my gosh, like even getting to a super regional feels like winning the lottery. I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix works on both. Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis 300 milligram dose and adults with active psoriatic arthritis 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or one 844 Cosentix. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. TJ, get, uh, piggyback on what you just did. So a player, you can go anywhere you want with this, blank check, player or players who have impacted your the way you coach. Well, right away, the first name that comes to mind is Pat Vileka, um, who just actually just retired. Um, we just talked the other day. And that was that was one. And I got a group next. Uh, but the first person that comes to mind is, is Patrick and shortstop on the UCLA national title team. Right. Yep. So it was our shortstop at UCLA for 11, 12 and 13. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, he comes from a baseball family. You know, brother Chris is a hitting coach with the, the Guardians, I believe. Um, you know, the brother Nick and Matt both played. Um, and, and so what's, what I, what, how our relationship struck up, um, and got really intense, I think in terms of investment was I was coming from Long Beach and I was coming from this, you know, so-called shortstop you, right. If you remember that, that's when all those times were coming and, um, all of a sudden we get to UCLA and here I'm a brand new coach and I, I'm trying to. I'm just trying to earn my way. I'm trying to earn my stripes. And, and I thought Pat and Pat was a freshman. And I remember working with him that fall and he just, he he changed my thinking and my approach and made me very accountable of what I was talking about and what I was teaching. And I think the good players can do that. And they do that in a, in in a non-disrespectful way. There's nothing, they challenge you in a lot of different ways 
and they hold you accountable for what you're saying and what your words. And we just ended up growing into this relationship um, through the three years there. And even to this day, I mean, to this day, we're as tight now as then, if not more now. You know, he has kids and he's been through the pro ball and the, the big leagues and this and that. But that was the one guy that I thought um, really taught me how to coach. Um, and I'll tell you, the next the next guys is the group was this position player group at TCU in 2023. And I'll tell you why uh, an older group, you know, they they they're good. They're great. Uh, you know, Braden Taylor's a first rounder and Trey Richardson's coming from Baylor and Elijah Nunez in center field. And we got some of those guys back in Luke Boyers. We had Austin Davis, a transfer. And you're stepping as a new coach. I think anytime you step into a situation, especially one where I was taking over for a coach that was here for nine years, mm-hmm. you know, so there was a lot of relationships, um, a lot of a lot of how TCU has been for so long and made them so good. Um, it made me reevaluate a lot of things in a good way in terms of what I believed in, why I believe in it. And then it made me have to come in and build relationships and really start it all over again. And I think as Travis knows, as a head coach, sometimes I feel like year to year to year, not that those aren't important, but you get into year four and year five and you just end up going through what this what you've already done before and guys will just catch on because you got a group of guys to teach the, the younger guys or the newer guys how to do things. And I didn't have that this year. Uh, I had to come in and, and really – and it took some time. I had to come in and really explain myself, um, be super thorough, really detailed on the why, um, really detailed – on if you do this, things will get better and things will happen. And then you had to you had to build them to trust you. Um, and and I that that team, this team this year, this past year was an incredible team. Yet the position players who I spend the most time with um, was an incredible group of people um, that that really challenged me on a daily basis to be really accountable again for what I was doing and what I was teaching. And it was, it got to the point at the end of the year where they ended up taking over the show. You know, you set a school record for stolen bases. You have the most home runs in almost a decade in school history. And, and none of that had anything to do with me. It had everything to do with them believing in themselves and believing in each other and building that trust in the foundation Um uh, with each other. And it just, it was fun. What that run they went on was incredible. We had the best seat in the house and you had a chance to just sit back and watch. Awesome. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I mean, we've all told this story a million times at the end of the year and in Omaha, but you know, on May 1st, you guys season is basically over. You know, it's like, you, you as an outsider, you're looking at like, no, no team can handle that type of adversity. I mean, this, this is done. Right. And then uh, next thing you know, you guys just get hotter than, than heck. Hey, so and, and, you know, like you mentioned, TJ, like you take over for Bill Moziello, now the head coach at Ohio State. And like Bill Moziello is, you know, a savant and like his teams are like there's an imprint there. Right. Like this is not just like we're rolling the balls out like most teams are. Um, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is, but there's like a real signature there. So you're stepping into that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and man, that's wild. Hey, let's let, let me put a bow on it with the shortstops. So you got to be with Longoria at Long Beach, right? And then you were at Tulo at Long Beach. You're right. with Valleca at, at UCLA. Any other big league shortstops that I'm missing as far as like on, on your path? Yeah. So 05, 05 was Tulo. 06 draft was Evan. So I had Evan in 05. 08 draft was Danny Espinosa. Um, in 2010, not, not a big leaguer. He ended up being a second or third rounder was a name by a guy by the name of Devin Lohman, Uh um, out of, I think out of the central Valley somewhere over there. Um, and then you got into UCLA, you had the run of Pat Valleca, you had the run of Kevin Kramer, uh, Trevor Brown was an infielder, ended up moving to first base, ended up catching in the big leagues. Right. Um, Joey Tordosovich at Long Beach state. Um, and, and back in the later years, I think nine draft, and it was a shortstop third baseman for us. Um, and then I got to Nevada and Miles Mastroboni, who's kind of the um, kind of a utility guy, plays left, plays right, um, up and down guy, has been in the big leagues um, now for almost a year uh, with Chicago. And then, um, you know, the, we had a first rounder this year in Braden Taylor, and I, I hopefully we, I think we'll have another one here in the year or two yeah. with Anthony Silva. Braden Taylor's fly ball out that ended your guys' season. Like that might be the best single best baseball play I've ever seen. Like in that pressure season on the line, he just absolutely murders that ball mm-hmm. and their center fielder makes like the craziest catch you've ever seen. I mean, just a nutty play. Well, I think you want to know, you know, what's funny about that. You know what's funny about? Sorry, Jackson's going to bed. You can say hi. Night, Jackson. Night. Night, Jackson. <laughs> All right, buddy. Love you. Thank you. All right. Uh, you you know what's funny about that is you want to talk about the process. That right there was the process in, in one play, one pitch. Braden did everything he needed to do. Their center fielder did everything. I'm assuming he was a he was a defensive replacement. Yeah. I'm assuming he was underneath getting ready, got a good jump, got a good read, every, and it just didn't work out. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying you don't walk out of there disappointed, but I'm telling you, you walk out of there and you're, you're, you're proud and you're like, that's what that looks like. That's what the process looks like right there. Yeah. It's funny. Last week I had the Kansas State guys talking about, you know, Ross Kivett, Mike Clement, Blair DeBoard talking about their Super Regional 2013 with Oregon State. And Blair DeBoard said something that applies to what you just said, TJ. He said, we're in the Super Regional and it's Conforto and Dylan Davis. And obviously they have a great team. He's like, he just said, it's like everybody's playing at the height of their superpowers. And that's what that play is like. You know, it's like, it's not just, you know, Braden Taylor doing his job and their center fielder doing his job. Like those are like all time, like great plays in your life. Like Braden Taylor almost goes, leaves the yard to center field with a season on the line and their kid explodes into the fence to make a catch to keep, I mean, just that stuff's incredible. So, all right, coach Jewett. So you have so many great stops in your resume, but I'm going to make you talk about the national title. Cause it's, it, it is, you know, that, that is what it is. I would argue that what Coach Jewett did at Washington State was really like the creme de la creme because Washington State was not supposed to be that frisky in our in, in the Pac-10 at the time. Like that was really problematic when, you know, Coach Jewett and the Cougars got really good in baseball and started going to regionals. Like that was a real that was not that was a real hassle, Coach Jewett. But let's let, so I'm going to talk about you. You touched on 2013. 
that incredible Vandy team, 26-3 and in the SEC, which is unheard of, but you get clipped by a really good Louisville team and an incredible Super Regional. Then in 2014, the very next year, you guys win the national title. 2015, you play in the national title in the finals again. Virginia wins it this time. Here's my question. So, you you know, you guys are not – there's not that many cats walking around with national championship rings, especially in coaching. But you guys are two of them. So, so for you, Travis, and TJ, you'll go next. What's something that you – are you know what's something that you take away from there like hey if i come to you and say hey travis i just took over program x and i want to win the final game like what's something that you're going to tell me that hey if you want to win the final game like based on my experience this is this is like a non-negotiable keep that shiny penny in your pocket baby (laughs) (laughs) well that that we know (laughs) you guys just gotta hit it on the head uh Here's where I think it all comes down to, and and sounds like TJ had this with his UCLA group and TCU last year, Um, just a bunch of individuals that have a map, man. They they know what they want, and they know how they're going to attack it. It's like not a lot of those guys at Vandy when we were there would do what I would say meet the dawn of the day without a map. You know what I mean? Uh, I recollect even the guys like Dansby coming in early in his career going like, you know, I'm going to be the best player to ever play here. You know, it's like, shut up. You know, it's like, (laughs) you know, not really, but right. And then just to watch him like every single day, like TJ was talking about making, holding himself and the coaches accountable. I mean, I can't tell you how many, shorts and t-shirt sessions that we had like in the cage right at one o'clock 12 30 before the 2 30 team meeting and you know uh turn me in ncaa but like uh you know just they just knew what they wanted and they just took that shiny penny that i'm talking about and they just kept putting it in the slot man every single day they just show up just show up just show up some days a lot better than others, but these guys just couldn't be shooken. They just showed up. They just showed up. They just showed up. And then you have tremendous leadership, obviously, with Tim Corbin and his ability to organize all the different kinds of talent, personalities, coaches, give everybody their rules, their ways, their hows, you know, responsibilities, and then everybody go attack kind of that map that we had. But uh yeah, I, I would just say that those teams that get there, yeah, there's some luck involved, but you're talking about a lot of talented players that they, they, you know, they, they like wiping the slobber off their face because they love playing baseball. They like being at the yard. They like being with their teammates. They like the weight room. They like to do those things like that. And so, as a coach, you better be ready to strap it on too, right? Because you got to get in that ring with them, and you got to get. You got to be there for them. You got to help provide them, even if that's just throwing the BP or the flips or who knows what it might be, but just like you're just trying to help them get there. And I think those three teams, you know, uh, you, you've mentioned it. We've we've been talked about long list of all these big leaguers and Omaha's, right? Teej, like how many of us have runes coached in both Omaha stadiums, one in Rosenblatt and one in TD Ameritrade, you know, not many, yeah. you know. Who's, who's had a chance to win pack 
titles and or SEC titles and World Series titles and play for national championships. I'll never forget this. This is a little off tangent, but even if it's my junior college teams with that won their championships, they were all the same. They just were like, you know, it was the most important thing to them, and they and they just didn't let a day go by where they weren't trying to, you know, make themselves and the team better. Um, that was fun. In 1996, Teach, here's a good story. I just started coaching. A good friend of mine, Todd McDougal, who's dead now, uh, was the best man in my wedding, um, brain cancer, bless his soul, beautiful high school defensive coordinator, stud baseball coach. You know, one of those guys did the Legion. Um, we actually had runes. Kramer Champlin that pitched some good innings at ASU. He was yeah. a holy guy. Um Gosh, now I'm drawing a blank. Who was the left-hander? Washington State. Come on, big leaguer, Marlins. Uh, why am I drawing a blank? TJ, help me out. Lefty, Ole. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Google it. we started, we started uh, talking about I was coaching junior college. He was coaching in high school. I was like, we need to go to the promised land, man. We need to see what this is all about. 1996. We don't have a shiny penny to do you know what with. And uh, we make our way to Council Bluffs, Iowa, Motel 6. We go to all the workouts. We're in Rosenblatt. We see all the games. I saw Warren Morse walk off, saw Cora on the ground. I was there. That was my first experience with that entire thing of College World Series. And then when you so gratefully brought me to – Tempe that year, right? We make it even in all the darkness of the halls of no coach for a while. Uh, I remember throwing BP that Thursday or whatever day the workout day was and just looking at the thousands of people in the stands and looking over at uh, where we sat, where I watched the games from. Like, mm -hmm. I remember how I got the tickets, TJ, the whole deal, like just crazy. I was just like a new junior college coach. And I was doing the same thing, TJ. He was working on the docks. I was working in the wood mill, man. I was pulling post, front porch posts and columns and doing that in the mornings and baseball at night. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of cool to think that just like those teams that I made mention, you know, I want to go see it. I want to have a vision of this. I didn't know that's what I was going to do, but like, you know, to all those listeners out there, you got to dream, you know, put it out there and invest in it every day. Uh, you, you never know how lucky you you certainly can be um, along the way. So Adam Conley, is that who you were thinking of? Adam Conley, that's it. Thank you. Both those guys played for my buddy, Todd McDougall. Like I said, he's the best man at my wedding, Ole High School. One pitch to ASU, one pitch to WSU. Um, yeah, but anyways. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. All right, TJ, similar. You take it wherever you want. Like you, you, you got that ring, and it's like I'm the I'm I'm asking you that question. Like, hey, I, I want one of those. Like, what's what's that? What's it going to take? What's it going to look like? What what's a big takeaway from that experience? Well, uh, I, I think the first, I think the how I can describe it is, and I think you guys will know what I mean, and I'll do my best to explain it. That team wasn't afraid of winning. Ooh. And why I say that, because they they were willing to go to that dark place that winning takes you. 
And we, whether you're an, you're a husband or you're a coach or you're a dad, there there's things you have to do. And there's things that if you want to be successful, there's dark moments in all those times. You can't be afraid of those times and you can't be afraid to walk alone and you can't be afraid to be there by yourself. And that's, that would be the one thing that I thought that team in 13, they were not afraid of winning and they weren't afraid to where this thing was going to take them. Um, and I think the second thing that it, that it brought out that I think about is they were so worried about elevating people around them that they could have cared less about motivation because motivation, um, how I've come to learn it is such an external factor. Like that's about everything else other than actually what you're doing. They were just so into themselves, elevating themselves and elevating the people around them that they didn't, the motivation, everybody would talk about you're motivated by winning. Yes and no. Yes. Yes. But if you're not willing to, if you're not scared of winning and you're not willing to elevate people around you, then that motivation just goes away. The motivation is all a feeling, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And so that would be the one thing that I thought that crew crew did. Um, and we were good. And there's no doubt. But the national title weekend against Mississippi State, we five of our nine starters were walk-ons. We're on wow. zero money. Zero. We have the potential greatest closer in college baseball history, David Berg. Every day, Dave. On zero money. Zero. And so I think when you when you look at that, you had to run through, if you guys remember this team, talk about 13 team, the best team we played all year, and this is no knock to Omaha teams, was Cal State Fullerton and Super. They were loaded. Eshelman, you had to beat Eshelman and Garza, Michael Lorenzen, J.D. Davis, I think. Um, was Chapman on that team? Third, Wallace Chapman? had to play. Yep. Oh, my gosh. I mean, and I'll never forget walking into that super and it was different. It was, you don't get those feelings a lot and it was different and walking in there and out there again, Pat Valleca, I'll never forget, you know, Pat's a four, six runner, right? I mean, it's, it's not a good runner. He can really pick up the ball tough. He slides into Wallach uh, and he, on a, we send him on a two outs ball hit to Lorenzen I know there's two outs, but Lorenzen has a 70 arm, if not an 80 arm. And he beats the, the, the throw, beats Valeka to the plate. Valeka slides late and hard into Wallach and stands over him and says, safe. And I'll never forget, I walked in the dugout and he walks down. And he goes, are you ready? And that was all he told me. That was it. Oh, that's so great. And then we went on and. Then you get floor, uh, then game one. So you get rewarded, right? You know, you always get rewarded in Omaha. You you beat the, the team in the Supers and you get rewarded in Omaha with Alex Bregman and the LSU Tigers. Oh, wow. He's and, a freshman on that team, too, I think. Uh, yeah. And then the guy, uh, Nola was on the mound. We had to beat Nola opening night. Oh, my gosh. So Ty Moore ends up scoring the winning run. Uh, Bregman makes an error in the ninth, and we end up winning that game then okay then the next game was trey turner and north carolina state another i don't know if they were the national seed but i know fullerton was and i knew lsu was 
And then you get to North Carolina with the big left-hander, Colin Moran. At North Carolina, you have to beat them, and then you have to beat Mississippi State twice. Crazy. That that Fullerton team was 51-10 and 10 and didn't make it to Omaha. I mean, just absolutely. Yeah, Add just, them to the list. Yeah, add them <laughs> to the list. That's it. Well said. Hey, so, boys, let's that, that was great. Let's do this. This might end up being the final question. We'll see how we do on time. But so you guys have both had the opportunity to be head coaches at, you know, like prominent programs, like top 50 college baseball programs. And so, you know, in – this is me speaking editorially, but I'll say it like if you guys would like to be head coaches again, if that's what you choose to do in your career, I would be you're going to have those opportunities. There's no doubt in my mind. So the question becomes, OK, you, you know, when you were at Tulane, this I'm really focused on your division one head coaching for you, Jew, when you were at Tulane, TJ, when you were at Nevada, uh, Nevada. What? So, so it's a two part answer. Like, what's something that you're really proud of from that time? You know, something that like when you leave there, you, you, you kind of take away like, you know, like that, that, that feels great. Like, I'm really proud that that those groups did X. And then part two is now what's another thing like maybe a, I don't surprise is the wrong word, but a, a, a thing that you're taking away, like, hey, next chance, next time I get to be a head coach, if that happens, here's something that's really top of mind for me that maybe could have taken that other opportunity over the top, if that, if that makes sense. So coach Jewett, have it, have it that you can go wherever you want with it clearly, but have at that piece. Well, I think just to be quite honest with you, I think the thing that I think about with my time at Tulane is just, uh, I wasn't very good at it, you know? And, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, part of the reason why I'm here today. Um, but I was real proud of a couple things. You know, we went in behind a, a program that just kind of come off a, a regional, right? So the, there was some excitement there. But I wouldn't say that there was a ton of dishes in the cupboard. Um, you know, it was a struggle that way. TJ made mention, new coach coming in, a lot of older players that probably wanted to be drafted that weren't here comes big Jew whistle. Huh? Let's go. Come <laughs> on. You know, uh, remember now I've been with Corbin for the last five years before that had some fall ball with Murph and Mactoff and Knutson and all the, so I've, I've had a chance to create a little bit of a menu, you know, and some things that I think that work and don't work. And so I, I think my biggest mistake right out of the gate probably was trying to maybe make it be my way instead of trying to kind of make it everybody's way a little bit as we both kind of tried to share the same room. Mm -hmm. um, but I think once we kind of start, we're able to get our players in there. I think you would see that we started to move ourselves up into the top, you know, third of the league. Um, we just never made it to a regional, um, but we kicked butt in school. I would be proud of that. You know, I think that's part of our things as a coach to make sure these guys are getting their good education. I, I was not a good student runes and teach at all. Like junior college baseball player, da, da, da. I think the baseball God is real. He's like, okay, since you did suck in school, you weren't a qualifier <laughs> to high school. You weren't any of that stuff like that. We're going to shove you on a private school yard for your entire career and you're going to deal with it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, um, so proud of, I think it was every semester we had team GPAs over three point. If you look back on it, we got a lot of players drafted 
in our yeah. in our time there at Tulane. One uh, first rounder or two first rounders, Travis? Uh, I think there was a sandwich and a first rounder. Got it. Yep. But yeah, so we had some nice picks that way, and maybe even more than LSU during a spot of time when we were there. Um, but it was just kind of that 35 wins, 33, never just could get to the 40, could get to the tournament. Now COVID, we started out hot and all that stuff like that. But, you know, just proud of maybe how it started and kind of where I thought it was going. You know what I mean? I would say that's yeah. a good trajectory. I thought the kids, uh, all the players got better. Um, I thought we tried to navigate a financial situation and an acad- you know, academic situation that's very tough, you know, hard to get in and not a lot of help financial aid situation-wise. But, uh, you know, proud of, you know, kind of what we're able to do in certain spots. Now, not ultimately because winning at the highest level. And, you know, it's funny, and I think you guys would agree with me, and it's like if you coach two games, two extra games – in a regional and just lose them both. Right. Everybody just thinks like you're so much better than the guy that doesn't, you know, it's just like, I think there's a lot of good baseball coaches out there that just maybe don't have that lucky penny as like everybody else has had or whatever all the time. But uh, yeah. So proud of the opportunity. I, you know, I'm thankful for it. You know, I wish it obviously would have gone undefeated and all that, but uh, (laughs) not possible, but you're, you know, thankful for the opportunity to, to uh, land on my feet and and be able to coach coach baseball, uh, you know. So yeah, anyways. no, that's well said. I mean, like you know, you don't need me to take up for you, Travis. But you know, like fifteen and two in the pandemic year, that team was excellent. You know, the, your last two completed seasons, you finished third in in a very good American League. You finished second. You go seventeen and ten in that league. I mean, it's trending in a great direction. It's it's also both of you guys' experiences at Tulane and Nevada are why I'm passionate about expanding the postseason a little bit. Like, I think 72 teams makes a ton of sense. It's not an obnoxious number like 96, but, you know, there's there, those were good teams that are just, like, getting squeezed out by, like, one or two games. And so, anyway, yeah, it's it's uh, that was a great answer. TJ, go ahead. Same question. Go wherever, wherever you want with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think – I'm really proud of, you know, number one was we won the most games in the Mountain West. In my seven years at Nevada, um, we, we, I felt like when we left that league or when we left in 2022, we were the team to beat in that league. And I think that league is, is a baseball league that doesn't get enough credit. You know, San Diego State and Fresno State and UNLV and New Mexico and you know, I, that league is a really good league. Air Force was just getting going as Coach Kaz does a phenomenal job. Um, that and then we made the we made a regional for the first time in two decades. And so that 21 team, um, that in itself, in my opinion, was a huge accomplishment. Um, and then I think something else, too, is I thought we stayed true to what how we thought would build a program and how. Um, how we wanted to do it, I thought we stayed really true to that, in my opinion. Like, I, we went after high school guys. Um, our recruiting coordinator was Jake Silverman, who's now UW. Mm-hmm. Um, we went after high school guys to build the program for, for sustained success. We didn't just go run out and get – and we didn't go the JUCO bandit way. Um, we wanted to build it long-term, and a lot of that's from where I came from. And that was – you have to lay the foundation of your house before you build the house. And 
Um, so I was really proud of that. Um, the, the, the way that the, what I wish I would have done better was I wish I would have done was a better listener. And I wish I was a better listener to my assistants. Um, I wish I was a better listener to our, to our, our overall program. And that involves everybody. Um, you know, I, as Travis knows, when you, when you get to become a head coach, there's a lot of things you're excited at first, um, all these different things. And then you get there on the job and it's just like when you take your kid home from the hospital. Now you're like, now what do I do now? And you got all these thoughts and you're trying to grab from all these people because it takes time, in my opinion, to trust yourself, to be honest. It took time to do that. And um, I just wish I would have done that a lot earlier. Um, you know, I just kind of came in there hell on wheels. I was 33 years old and I was just going to go and, and do it. And we did it. We did a great job. And I was super thankful to our players and our coaches. But I wish I would have done a better job at listening. Um, just little things, tweaks here and there. Um, what could we have done? Maybe maybe you you give up some things at times. Because, um, as you know, sometimes as a head coach, you tend to, at least I did, I tend to take everything over. And I was going to call the pitch. I called the pitches and ran the offense for two, two of those years. Um, you know, one point I coached third base also, and there was just a lot of, a lot of different thoughts just going through my head. So that, that would be the one thing I think. And I had great assistants. Um, obviously Jake was one of them, uh, who's now on. And, uh, the other, I think the other part I'm proud of is all our assistants moved on for the most mm -hmm. part, you know, Jake Silverman, is now the recruiting coordinator at UW. Uh, Abe Alvarez, when we left, is a pitching coach at BYU. Kyle Hunt was our volunteer. He's now the paid guy at USF. Buck was my pitching coach the last three years. And, you know, we all know how good Buck is on the pitching side. And, and, and he found his way at Fresno State. So a lot of good things. Um, but I think listening is, is one thing that's, that's undervalued, in my opinion. And yeah. I, I think um, the more we can do that, um, the better off we'll all be and, and the more compassion and empathy and, uh, and grace, right. Grace in, in this world today is, is hard to come by. And I think that's one thing that I wish I would have done. Oh, great. Another great answer. You know, so many, like, it is such a hard job, you know, like it's when it, when it's your name on the, the letterhead, it just changes everything. And even though there are some of the famous guys in our profession that make it look easy it's just not you know it's like you're the ceo of a company um it just were it's it's bats and balls instead of widgets and services rendered and that type of thing so anyway boys this this was that we just we just hit the hour mark so i'm gonna wrap us there this was so awesome i i knew i was super excited i i think so highly of you guys i i meant everything i said you guys have had these incredible careers it's going to keep rolling um, so proud to call you guys friends. And this was great. Like the insights you shared tonight were really, really awesome. So really, I appreciate this so much. This has been, uh, as I said last week, my, 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 my baseball cup runneth over from this. So, Hey, let me say thanks to our, our, our friends at netting pros for, for, uh, for being the presenting sponsor of this. We will be back uh, next week. Corey Mascara from Wake Forest, D one baseball assistant coach of the year last year. Corey gets his own show because he's a talker now. So Corey, we're not going to share the spotlight for him, but he will be great. He is a, he's a wonderful conversation. Really, really fun. Uh, that is it. Everybody have a great week. 
uh, and we will catch you next time on the D1 Baseball Podcast. Awesome. Thanks, Runes. Thanks, Runes. TJ? Oh. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix treats both. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 milligram dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 